Welcome to the Analytics Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan McNamara. Uh, we're recording this podcast in mid-February before the kickoff of the Combine, uh, and then we'll be rolling in franchise tags and transition tags and free agency and uh, draft workouts and pro days and uh, draft visits and medical rechecks and lying season and all of it. So uh, we're sort of at a transition time in, in the off season to that that fun uh, or that that chaos. Um, and then you know we'll get in a rookie draft season after the NFL draft, and then we'll have a little bit of a not necessarily a letdown, but a little bit less uh, you know less action from maybe May through you know, July, and then we'll get into the season. So I think this is like the the well, the last time we'll really see a die down and and I think critical news until uh, until sometime probably in May or June. So it's an interesting, when you sort of look at it from that perspective, it's an interesting time frame. So I will talk some news, we'll talk some bigger picture stuff in this episode, and then we're going to be covering all that stuff going forward. So um, before we get into that, the the podcast ad-free, uh, just me talking into a mic and no ads. Um, I'm not doing any of the, the you know, music or entry songs or anything like that. Although, if I were to pick a song to enter uh, this podcast to, I'd pick Bad Reputation by Joan Jett, just because, yeah, it'd be fun. Um, but, uh, so, in, in lieu of all of that, I just want to give a shout out to some of the other stuff that's going on. Um, the Analytics of Dynasty 2020 edition is on sale. Uh, I had uh, a bunch of appearances right in a row. It was two weeks of Mad Dash. Uh, I took a little bit of time off uh, from doing them. I <laughs> I hit as many as I could in, in basically a two-week span. Uh, while I was between jobs, it lined up perfectly. Uh, started the new job. Took a little bit of a respite, but I uh, jumped back in. I was on Dynasty Happy Hour this week uh, and was on um, uh, the Dynasty Tradecast, uh, Road of Visits podcast. Um, Nathan Powell was looking for a co-host. Uh, and interestingly, there's some backstory there, and I should probably retweet it back out. We had a we had a good debate uh, when the Tyreek Hill news came out, and uh, uh, which would have been you know that that he last off season that he uh, that was suspected of abusing his his son. Um, and was probably facing a suspension, and there was some uh, draft or trade discussions that centered around that. We had an interesting debate on his podcast, so check that when it comes out. I think by the time you're listening to it, it'll probably have dropped. Um, he said to expect it Thursday, so I'm recording this Wednesday night. So, um, you know, in the next 24 hours or so, uh, I thought that was a really interesting conversation. We talked big picture stuff. It was, a, it was a really good. I thought it was a great conversation. So, um, and the Dynasty Happy Hour that appearance was great too. So check those things out. Um, Analytics of Dynasty 2020 is on sale. Um, Thirty dollars get you all the super flex data, all the hit rates, all the base rates, all the density stuff. Um, future pick or rookie pick values, how to navigate rookie drafts, which was um, a, a, a fun chapter to write in terms of I studied the 2019 class and there's a lot of different things in there. It's not just, hey, here are the re- pick these players and this is why. Um, there's a lot of process that went into that uh, and a lot of a lot of things you can take away from it across Dynasty from just that chapter. Um, and I talked bigger picture, roster construction, all of those things. So um, you can get that $30 over at analyticsdynasty.com slash shop. If you're newer to Dynasty, newer to the podcast saying, hey, listen, I don't want to drop $30 or maybe I'm not huge into Superflex or I want to sort of uh, – 
you know, a 30,000 foot view of Dynasty from beginning to end. Um, you know, basically a how-to guide. Jump into the 2019 edition. 2019 edition, all of that stuff. It's, it's, um, it's still evergreen. Um, it's, it's my books aren't just hey pick this player. And my books are here's a process to follow. Here's a here's a um, some decision making steps to help you. Uh, and I don't you know I write these as evergreen things. I don't write them as hey pick these players. Uh, I, I I don't think that's particularly useful to the reader. Um, I want to sort of. Um, give people a strategy and have them implement it uh, more so than say, hey, pick these players. Because once I tell you to do that, the information's stale. So, um, so yeah, so you can pick up both of those up, analyticsdynasty.com slash shop. In addition, you can run over to the Patreon side, uh, patreon.com slash analyticsdynasty um, for as little as $4 a month, more premium podcasts. Right now I'm in the middle of, um, well, I just finished up uh, all 32 teams pre- uh, free agent previews um, draft capital previews the whole a whole series over there on all of that how to look at some of these teams and, and some things that might be going on dynasty relevance to all those teams um, in terms of free agents and, and upcoming draft picks um, and then I've got strategy pieces over there uh, I got my dynasty tiers which is a different take on rankings uh, with with some different uh, metrics that are going into that and I'm gonna actually revamp them a little bit in the next week or so here so um, fun stuff going over there I got the analytics of dynasty uh, patreon uh, group me chat as well and there's drafts going on now and lots of strategy and we're kicking around different player ideas and it's funny when you when you sort of get into conversations with and you're just kicking around hey who do you like this player over this player or, you know what do you think about this situation it sharpens your mind and honestly the mental reps you know going into a draft is is uh, you can say, all right, I got my draft list, I got all these things, but but the live fire of it is uh, can be tough to adjust to. And so, you know, you don't do a ton of, you know, we talk a lot about startup drafts uh, and talk a lot about startup valuations and, and here are the strategies you should employ. Uh, but but honestly, we don't we don't do a ton of startup drafts. I mean, if you do three or four a year, that's probably you know for most people, I would say that's a lot. Um, I think last year I did maybe four or five. I think startup drafts. Um, I have twenty teams, so you know, and and a quarter of my leagues I didn't, or even more, I didn't do a startup draft last year. You know, so it's all it's more of uh, it's more existing teams and building and rookie drafts and trades and that sort of stuff. Um, so the live fire picks and, and startup drafts isn't something we do a ton of but getting in the group meet chat and having discussions about about the group uh about picks and trades and all that stuff it really keeps your mind sharp it gives you those extra mental reps so i can't uh, recommend it highly enough i can't recommend it um and it's not just me it's the quality of the owners in there and different people and we talk about different things and uh ways to bring in other things into the strategy as well so all of that's over at analyticsdynasty.com slash shop. You can find, um, or all, all of the books are at analyticsdynasty.com slash shop and the, the Patreon stuff, patreon.com slash analyticsdynasty. And you can get, I didn't know this before I started Patreon, uh, but you can get the, the podcast right in your preferred podcast feed. So if you're worried, oh, I don't want another app or any of those things, all, it'll give you a link, dump it right into, you know, Apple iTunes or uh, Podbean or Stitcher or Spotify, whatever you know, whatever um, podcast you want to use, p- 
podcast app you want to use, you can get it all there. So um, that's patreon.com slash analytics of dynasty. All right, enough enough self-promotion. Um, let's talk about some of the news. Uh, some DLF ADP just dropped. I've been monitoring some of the quarterback stuff because I'm you know, fresh off writing this book. So I, I'm super into uh, and really dig in the quarterback valuations uh, just because it's every year I write the book and it, it's something more as more as interesting to me and I sort of become infatuated with it. So quarterback uh, quarterbacks is, is this off season's fad for me. Um, so News on Stefan Diggs. Uh, it's drama, wide receiver drama. What else is new? Uh, he's boycotting or you know, d- disclaiming any affiliation with the Minnesota Vikings on on social media. There's reports out this afternoon that, oh, he's not going to get traded. It's just, you know, the Vikings are just treating this like, you know, just sometimes he spouts off and, you know, who knows. Um, this seems to be a continuing a continuing just just drama fest and yeah it, we're, we have seemed to be in a in a lower drama wide receiver era so it has been you know you didn't you don't have the chad johnson the randy moss uh to you know all the baggage that they sort of brought along with them at the different points in their career you know that there's a, a lot of receivers that have been sort of drama filled experiences um that has not been it just seems anecdotally that it hasn't been as common um stefan diggs is saying hold my beer i want in on this so um you know they'd take a nine million dollar uh dead cap hit by cutting him i don't expect that to happen um similar the same thing if they traded him they would cut they could save five and a half million um, but it's a nine million dollar cap uh, dead cap hit there are 11 million dollars over the over the cap. So um, I would look to a potential uh, Cousins restructure. I think that's something that could um, be pretty relevant in terms of how they could get that. I mean, it would save them some money towards the cap if they uh, cut or were to move on and trade digs. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's basically would be the ramifications of it. So it would help a little bit, wouldn't probably help a ton. I think they've got some other ways to massage some of the cap as well. So they don't need to go and trade their one of their prime players to do that. So um, I think it's much ado about nothing, but it's interesting. There's rumors about him to the Patriots and those sorts of things. Um, we shall see. Uh, I did listen to – I don't listen to a ton of podcasts at this time of year, but the Adam Schefter podcast this week really caught my eye in terms of the discussions about quarterbacks. Um, and I think this is of all the things this year in terms of, and I don't know if it's just because I'm super interested in quarterback, the position right now with all the work that I did for the pod or for the, for the book, or, um, it it actually is this way. I think it is this way. Um, the, the quarterback market's really interesting and there's been a lot of talk and there's was actually a Twitter poll. I think it was field Yates tweeted it out and said, you know, retweet with your prediction on where these eight quarterbacks are going to be. Um, and you see a lot of people, uh, projecting sameness. Um, uh, yeah, I saw pro football focus did an article talking about it. And a lot of the guys ended up back where, back where they are. Jeff Darlington, uh, in the interview with Adam Schefter, said he thinks that uh, the most likely outcome is that 
Tom Brady ends up in Tennessee, which isn't something I had heard before. Um, but he, I would really recommend that discussion with Adam Schefter. It's basically in the middle of his podcast, the middle third of his podcast. He talks to Taysom Hill um, and Cardell Jones on either end of the the podcast and then talks to Jeff Darlington as a reporter uh, in the middle. I thought the conversation was really interesting and some of the rationale he had for, for Brady. Um, he has said you know, Brady doesn't know right now he doesn't know what the what he's going to do um Schefter sort of confirmed that but then sort of postulated all the reasons why he thought Tennessee made a lot of sense so the implications of that would be really interesting I think of of you know we're going to see Rivers gone uh and sort of the what what the fallout of that is I think if another guy goes uh one of the bigger guys goes in terms of like Brady if he leaves I think the fallout could be pretty wide um, if Brady goes back, you know, you might see more status quo. I think if Brady moves, you see a lot of quarterback movement. If Brady does not move, you're probably going to see less. And I'm, I'm, of course, looking at Cam Newton as well in that story. So um, another notable quarterback story, again, more and more of these. I keep I have like a running list. It's, a, it's like a quarter quarterbacks could be not on uh, a quarter of teams could be without their starting quarterback from week one of 2019. Uh, it keeps end up being more with uh, the Raiders um, potentially talking trade of Derek Carr. Um, there's some thought that there's a lot of value uh, that the market might value him uh, as a, uh, as a potential trade uh, player a trade target for one of these quarterback needy teams I'm, I'm sort of tapping on him he's the low yards per, per attempt is it's a it's a consistent trend with him I just think that's that's who he is at this point um and and you know maybe if he got into a system with some more wide receivers you could expect him to go downfield a little bit more but uh just at this point in your career when you continuously when you haven't been a quarterback one to to get to being a, a you know, a quarterback one uh, consistently. It's it's a really low probability of that happening historically. Um, and Carr's on the, the long end of being a starter for that to be where he is at. So I don't really expect that from him. And Superflex, is he a serviceable quarterback two type? I guess so. Um, but we'll see sort of with the movement around. Um, guys that don't hit for a top 12 season don't have a ton of longevity at quarterback. So he's in a, he's in kind of a unique strata uh, of quarterbacks. So, um, you know, the, the day two guys, some of the day two guys, it's just think Andy Dalton, for example, you know, he sort of fell into being a quarterback too. Um, but people forget he hit a top six season early in his career. So, uh, and then sort of leveled out to that Carr's never really gotten there, although injury shortened season and that sort of stuff uh, where he was having probably his best season of his career. It was injury shortened. Um, but hasn't really gotten back to that level. So um, another notable thing I saw this week, and uh, this is these two guys are, are pretty are pretty interesting. I've seen different takes on this, um, but Greg Rosenthal at NFL.com talked about uh, Hunter Henry potentially being a, uh, t- a franchise tag player uh, in terms of how they deal with his contract situation. Um, I've seen rumors that uh, or, or speculation. Um, I guess there's speculation on everyone landing in New England. Um, I think that's just people would love to see that and the idea that maybe uh, that would draw um, Brady back. I guess that's that's some of the rationale of that. Um, you know, the Chargers have $50 million worth of cap space. Um, they can they could certainly, it would seem like they could get um, Henry back under contract. 
if they so chose, the tag might be an interesting option for him because of the injury history. Um, Atlanta, on the flip side of that, uh, is um, Austin Hooper's a free agent. There is uh, they're going to have a tough time getting him under contract if he's going to be a top five paid tight end, which I. I think I kind of expect by the time this all shakes out with, um, you know, Jimmy Graham's going to get caught and Kittle's going to get extended and, and sort of those things. But I think I think Hooper's going to, if not top five in terms of salary per year, I think it's going to be pretty close to that uh, just in terms of how that number falls in. And, um, you know, eight to nine million dollars a year, that sort of puts him in that range. And they're going to have a tough time getting him back under contract. So um, that's a... I, I'm sort of I like Henry more as a player than Hooper, um, but you know Hooper has been productive in sort of a unsexy way. So, um, but anytime a tight end changes teams, I don't really love that as a as a profile. So, um, another thing that's commonly rumored, I just I think it's important to talk about because I don't think I think it's much ado about nothing. Uh, that Detroit's going to trade Matthew Stafford. I just that makes no sense to me. Um, he was on track for. Um, MVP caliber seasons overstating it a tad, but the best, probably the best season of his career this year until he got hurt. Um, he was terrific um, and he was you know, uh, highly effective and efficient, and then he got hurt. Um, it has not been the Detroit Lions' problems are not that are not Matthew Stafford. Um, that is certainly not the case. So I just I don't. Uh, they would take ten. Uh, according to Spotrack, they would take $10.7 million in lost, ca- and, um, lost cap space if they were to trade him um, because of how his contract was sort of uh, – they had converted salary to bonus or, or something to that effect to basically load up this year as a as – a, it would be a big dead cap loss, um, a big cap space killer if they were to trade Stafford. So I don't expect that to happen. I think a lot of the rumors about that are probably uh, to drum up interest in some way, shape, or form in the third pick in the draft. So um, we'll see with that. I still think that's a really interesting spot um, for for Detroit to potentially trade down. Armando Salguero uh, talked about Josh Rosen staying, staying put in Miami. That's an interesting... I think if you were to if I were Miami, I, I think I would be tempted to not take a quarterback. I certainly I, I wouldn't love trading up for um, trading two first round picks to get a quarterback by moving up a couple spots. I get that's kind of why they built this team the way they did was to do that this year. Um, yeah, I'm interested in, in you know there there is a I I. If everyone was healthy, I think two is the best quarterback in this class. Uh, I talked about this on the Patreon side uh, earlier this week about breaking down the quarterback class. Um, I, but I, I think there's a reasonable chance that there are teams that have Justin Herbert over Tua. I think that's all injury related. Um, and I think, you know, I saw actually a cop of Tua to Jimmy Garoppolo today, which was interesting. Um, but, uh, you know, I think there's. Tua breaks the model in terms of quarterback production in college. I mean, he's he's a just a straight freak in terms of the things I look at: yards per attempt and touchdown rate and touchdown interception ratio. I sort of uh, when you sort of look at those that trio, um, there's strong links to draft pedigree in there uh, in terms of how they how they correspond to picks and all those sorts of things. Um, 
Tua's up at the top. I mean, he certainly qualifies as the number one overall pick. Um, I think that's going to be Burrow. Burrow's up there as well, not in the same strata as Tua. Um, but Tua is is leaps and bounds above and, and the highest in terms of yards per attempt in um, the past 20 years for a quarterback in college in his college career. Kyler Murray last year broke uh, you know broke my model. I had to reset the the formula to to put him at 100% because he jumped over the max. Uh, and before that, it was Cam Newton. To give you an idea, Tua produced 0.9 yards per attempt, about 0.9 yards more uh, per attempt more than Cam Newton. Uh, so approaching a yard more. And Cam Newton was was a freak in terms of where he ended up in the numbers. Um, just so that's just how sort of far past that uh, Tua is, uh, and it's in the SEC. You don't. This isn't you know at Texas Tech or you know some uh, team in the uh, in the Big Twelve. I think in the SEC it's even more remarkable. So, um, but I, I think there's a reasonable chance that that Herbert. I think it's probably an unlikely outcome, but I think there's a reasonable chance that that Herbert. Uh, is selected ahead of Tua, and I think there's a possibility that that could, you know, that Miami could could fall on that side of it. And if they if they were to do that, maybe they don't trade up, or you know, hey, maybe they just they they're not in love with Tua. They think at five Herbert's a reach, and they say, listen, we'll we got the assets. Let's uh, let's play this out another year. And I think that's a, a reasonable thing for them to do. Um, keep building the team. You can add multiple starting players uh, across the this team continue to build depth i really like what they're doing in terms of their uh in terms of their team building they're and you know continue to do that and continue to develop these players that were under a, a bad regime beforehand you see a bounce back on guys like uh like Devontae parker for example and the growth that he has seen, Mike Isicki as well. Um, you know, this seems like the uh, it's a it's taboo to sort of talk about them right now. But the the Houston Astros had a, a you know a pro growth. Yeah, they're they're it was a growth mindset was what they were looking for in these players. And certainly they drafted guys that wanted to cheat uh, to win. So that's certainly that's certainly um, uh, pro growth, but you know, I, I sort of see that similar, you know, not the not in the Spygate sense, but in the sort of developmental uh, aspect of of this organization. They have gotten uh, more out of their players than than the other regime has gotten. So I'm really interested in them continuing to build this thing. Um, you know, take guys in the trenches, take pass rushers, take. Uh, cornerbacks keep building the premium positions and then address quarterback uh, we've seen you know, we've seen that happen for example Cleveland tried to do that and then sort of got skittish uh, which was I think a mistake uh, in terms of how they all handled that uh, and and their team building and all that stuff with with firing Sashi Brown and then bringing in John Dorsey and now back with um, Andrew Barry and you know just that whole there was no clarity there it seems like Miami's got this and they got a good coach and um, it seems like they're heading in a good direction as an organization. So I think they're really interesting. Um, but Rosen staying put is, um, you know, it's a <laughs> circle back to that after a little bit of a, a detour. Um, I, I'm not loving him. I think he's going to become basically a, a throw in piece in terms of, you know, probably outside the top 30 and super flex 
uh, rankings and drafts and those sorts of things. Uh, I'm not liking his potential on uh, at this point of being a starter. Uh, you know, they gave him they gave him a little runway. Um, brought back Fitzpat Fitzmagic, um, who is just uh, has had a history of making wide receivers money, and um, and and let Rosen sit. So I think they sort of and there's probably more there in terms of listen. They see him every day, um, and those sorts of things. I mean the fact that they played the veteran Fitzpatrick while they were quote tanking not and didn't want to see Rosen under live fire. Uh, that's that's a pretty troubling sign, and I don't think at this point you're going to see a team, you know, hey, we're going to let's take Josh Rosen and, and give him a, a legit chance to be a starting quarterback at this point. So maybe he bounces around as a backup or could be a reclamation type Ryan Fitzpat or uh, Ryan Tannehill type, something like that. But I I have a hard time seeing him get into the. Um, you know, get into being a, a full, uh, a fair shake at being a long-term starter. Um, notably, Drew Brees is back for another season. That has followed implications. Um, Teddy Bridgewater is probably going to be gone, I would guess, in free agency. Uh, and you know, it, what the market brings on him will be interesting to see. Uh, would... New Orleans be interested in paying him again to be a backup? I mean, has he sort of outgrown that money? We'll see. Um, you know, if he were, I saw something, you know, I think it was you know, maybe two years, less than 20 million for him as, as a potential, um, a potential contract. I saw estimated this week. If that were to happen, does, does him going back to the saints make some sense with a, Hey, you know, let's get some insight from breeze on what he's thinking you know is this going to be a last tour you know maybe he's got a shot be a starter there in 2021 i mean we'll see that doesn't seem like a, a ton of money for him um you know i'm sort of skeptical on him as a long-term starter uh just because it wasn't you know people have these rose-colored glasses of how he produced and uh, in Minnesota before the injury, and and people talk highly about him as a as a as a character guy and as a as a guy in the locker room and as a leader and all of those things, but he wasn't really that good as a as a quarterback when he played for Minnesota, um, and and so I just I sort of am a little skeptical on on him as a long term starter. Does he get another opportunity to do so? I think it's possible, um, but you know he's going to be twenty eight. Um, you know he's thrown. Less than 225 attempts since 2015. So, I mean, that's sort of what you're what you're looking at. He's a career 7.2 yards per attempt quarterback. So, not terrible, but that's not that's not high end either. Um, you know, 3.6 percent touchdown rate guy. You know, it's it's a below average number. Um, so, you know, what really are you getting into? Getting, getting a quarterback like this. Is this a quarterback that's going to really lift your franchise? Uh, I, I am sort of skeptical on that at this point. So, um, But I think that that'll be an interesting fall and an interesting story. Um, and who is, you know, what, when this game of magical or, uh, you know, magical chairs uh, is, is, their musical chairs is finally done. Uh, who is who is left there needing quarterback? Um, and I think the big piece to watch is Brady. So, um, so that's the news. Uh, we'll talk a little bit now about 
some ADP. I just pulled up uh, DLF's uh, February ADP. It just posted. Uh, this is six mock drafts they did. Uh, I think it was starting in early-ish February. Uh, I saw some people talking about it in, uh, on Twitter as it was going along. Um, I thought notably Patrick, uh, Lamar Jackson was uh, quarterback one, uh, and he went ahead of Patrick Mahomes in half of the drafts. Uh, Mahomes actually went in the first round in one of them. Mah- uh, Lamar Jackson never did. And by the way, this is start one QB. Uh, I'd be interested in and uh, some super flex data. I think we'll get to see that a little bit more. I think there's going to be some more um, data coming out from like Rotoviz, for example. They've said that they're going to come out uh, once my, uh, drafts really start getting firing on MFL that they'll have their uh, Dynasty app back up, which I'm excited about seeing how, how that looks for 2020. Um, but Lamar Jackson over uh, Mahomes, uh, it's only a couple picks. Uh, there's a pretty big range in there. Again, this is small sample size, so you got to keep those caveats in mind, but they're pretty close. Um, I was asked last night on the Dynasty Tradecast whether or not I would take Lamar Jackson and Desh- or Deshaun Watson in a 2020-201. Um, I said that I would rather have Deshaun Watson straight up over Lamar Jackson. And um, so the 2020-201 is... Um, is gravy on that and it was super flex so i said i said give me the pick and give me uh, deshaun watson i think there's a pretty interesting case to be made of of um dak versus lamar jackson so i don't i don't have lamar jackson up at the uh, quite as high in terms of rankings i think there's reasonable discussions and debates uh, a little bit further down the line Uh, so um, but notably kyler murray going ahead of dak prescott at uh, Kyler Murray's going at quarterback four, Dak Prescott quarterback five. That's ahead of Russell Wilson, um, Carson Wentz, Baker Mayfield. Um, so uh, notably, last time they had this out, uh, Mayfield was uh, was behind Josh Allen. He's back now ahead of Josh Allen. Um, you know, I, again, these are these are noisy things, um, and there's a lot of there's a lot of recency bias sort of in these numbers. So we'll sort of see how it all it all ends up uh, settling out as as the off season goes along. I um I but I I I think there's value there in terms of um, in terms of how it all breaks. Kyler Murray uh, is is uh, at quarterback four. That seems like a Baker Mayfield 2.0 situation from last year. Again, I like the player, but this is more a question of cost. Uh, at quarterback four, I, I think um, yeah, I wrote about this in the book. Uh, there are some mistakes that I won't make again, and Baker Mayfield's one of them. Um, this situation looks a lot more like Baker Mayfield than it looks like a settled thing. So quarterback four, uh, too too rich for my blood. Um, going ahead of guys like Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, um, Carson Wentz as well. Um, there's a pretty big tier gap there after um, Murray, Prescott, and and Russell Wilson go pretty close, and then there's a big tier break too. Wentz, uh, Mayfield, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers at 10, Joe Burrow at 11, Matt Ryan at 12. They're all within round and a half of each other. Uh, so, um, again, this is start one, but you're talking from Wentz is at 114 overall to Matt Ryan at 128. Um, that's a, a pretty interesting tier with a lot of different aspects to it there. 
um, falls off a little bit more with Daniel Jones. Um, Daniel Jones is um, going ahead of Tua, for example, so that would be quarterback two in this class. Tua is at 40, excuse me, at 14 overall, um, and going ahead of Jared Goff. There is a little bit of an opening between um, Daniel Jones and Sam Darnold. Darnold down at 16 was a, a right neck and neck with Daniel Jones uh, in last month's ADP. So uh, I would endorse that market movement. Um, I think the most interesting person probably in all of this is Jameis Winston at 17. I could make an argument that Jameis Winston belongs at nine. <laughs> I could make an argument in a month that Jameis Winston will belong at 29. Um, I think that I don't think that Jameis Winston finishes as quarterback 17 in terms of ADP um, in April, for example. I think that number moves. It's just a question of where it moves. Um, and, and interestingly, the number is actually pretty tight in terms of where he was going in this draft, um, which is somewhat surprising to me. Um, basically, all of them, except for one, are in about a round range. So We'll see how we'll see how it plays out. I think he has a wide range of outcomes on his expectation. Back in Tampa, signs a long-term deal. Uh, let's move him up the board. If he's going to franchise tag or you know be in a state of limbo or sign a two-year Jacoby Brissett type deal someplace else, I mean that's a little bit less enticing. Guys, franchise quarterbacks don't end up on the market all that often. And when they do, they tend to get locked up like Kirk Cousins. I think he's a good barometer if Winston were to be there. So how does the market react to a guy like Winston? Uh, and is it is it similar to the way that the market reacted to Kirk Cousins? Um, I am skeptical that that happens, but but we'll see. I think that's a it's going to be an interesting data point. Um, franchise quarterbacks in their you know mid twenties. Start, you know, starters who have proven something in their mid twenties to late twenties don't end up on the market. So we'll we'll see what happens with Winston, and it's not injury related either. You know, so it's a this isn't like Cam coming off an injury where he might get caught. Those sorts of things. Um, this is a, a relatively healthy, clean Winston, and from that from that perspective. Um, so we'll, he's an interesting one. Herbert's at 18, so he's ahead of Matthew Stafford, Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo's a pretty big faller, um, and I don't know in the order of when the 20, uh, the the January ADP was taken. He was higher than this in the in the mid-teens. Now he's at 20. Um, again, you get the couple quarterbacks, uh, the three rookies in front of him now. Um, that's a little bit of the downfall. But I think that there's a, uh, you know, there's some recency there with the fact that he wasn't, he was okay, but not great down the stretch. Um, and that's sort of, there's some recency baked into these numbers to some degree. Um, Kirk Cousins, interesting at 21, Breeze at 22, going ahead of Drew Locke, uh, Cam Newton, Ryan Tannehill, Taysom Hill is interesting at 26. It's a little high for me, but going ahead of guys like Jordan Love, Derek Carr, um, and then you sort of get down Gardner Minshew, Mitchell Trubisky at 30, um, Dwayne Haskins at 31. So, um, you know, just looking at Haskins right now, I, I think you'd have to have him higher. For example, I'd have him over uh, Jordan Love and Taysom Hill. Um, 
you know, the sample's relatively small. He's a pretty good prospect in terms of some of his metric stuff. Coming into the NFL, I get that the Redskins are a dumpster fire, but you have a, a stable coach there for at least the immediate future. Now is immediate more than six months. Who, who the heck knows what the Redskins are going to do? They find a good way to uh, botch things up. But I think that's an, that's an interesting, in terms of value, guys, he's an interesting interesting one um brady's at 32 roethlisberger at 33 so some of the older vets um that uh, roethlisberger's got plenty of opportunity to outproduce that i think there might be some question in the market right now about his health but um he's, he's got plenty of opportunity to outperform that same with rivers at 36 that number's just that number just seems like it's uh ripe for just loading up on him again even if it's a, a year or two um he, you know, the odds that he outproduces someone like Jake Fromm, for example, or even even Brady at this point, I think that's a, a reasonable bet. Um, Gardner Minshew at 29, for example. The the prospects of him being a long-term starter are really low. Um, if you get two years of top 15 production out of Rivers, which I think is certainly in the range of outcomes, it's probably outproduces what Minshew does in his career. So, um, yeah, so that's that's the quarterback position uh, in terms of in terms of ADP. Uh, and uh, just just a, an interesting each month that sort of moves around a little bit. Uh, I'm interested to see when we get some more dra- drafts and data points and you get some of these public leagues opening up. Um, looking forward to seeing some of that data uh, and, and how it all tracks going forward. One final piece that I wanted to, to discuss in this is the article of the week that I'm trying to continue to incorporate in this in this podcast, when I see analytics-based writing, or um, it can be anything. I've, I think I discussed a, a thread on here, a Twitter thread at some point. If I hear something on a podcast or, or what have you, I think we talked about um, Gil Brandt's work a couple weeks ago. Um, I, there's a really, really interesting piece over at Rotoviz this week. Um, the writer is who I, I uh, I've never talked to. Um, maybe I can see if I can snag him to come on the podcast and talk about uh, talk about this because it's something that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, Antonio Losota. Um, you can find him at uh, Chupalana uh, on Twitter, um, and I, I'll send a I'll put a link to this uh, article in the notes to the podcast. So you can check it out. I highly endorse this look uh, at volatility. Uh, and, and essentially, does it matter? Um, I have come to the conclusion in some of my work. Um, I'll just say that a header in my book is consistency is a myth. Um, and so, I, I but I came at it from a different look. And so, anytime I sort of see similar work, I'm always interested in, in wondering, hey, do they come to the same conclusion? Is there something that I haven't thought about that you know, maybe someone has a different take on, those sorts of things. So this one really was uh, piqued my interest, stopped what I was doing, uh, took a look at it. And he what he did was, it was interesting, he broke down uh, you know, basically any re- uh, positions, I think it was all of them, above 10 points per game, just to get some of the noise at the bottom out of it uh, and sort of eliminate all the the, the players that don't score any points and, and have low vo- and as a result have low volatility um, but sort of looked at, at some of the higher scoring players and, and used a higher benchmark uh, going going forward um, notably there there's some correlation between uh, between points PPR points scored 
and volatility, which I think makes sense as as you score more points, there's uh, you have a higher range of potential. Uh, if a, if a wide receiver scores uh, averages five points, he's got a lower uh, range of potential uh, ways to put that together than a receiver puts that puts up twenty points per game, for example. So um, there's some correlation there, not a ton though. Um, so it, it, uh, the relationship at quarterback between PPR points and uh, volatility had an R squared of just 0 0.05, so pretty low. Um, running backs at 0.23, which is the highest amongst the positions. Not a, not a huge number, but there, there looks like there's a little something there. Wide receivers and tight ends both come in at 0.22 R squared, which was interesting. I think I think for me the biggest takeaway from this was um, what the year over year relationship was, and, and the year over year relationship uh, basically the the you know, from one year to the next, how much will one year predict the next volatility? An R squared of 0 0.06, which is which is low. So, um, not a lot there in terms of in terms of its predictiveness. So, I, I think the key takeaway from this, and you can read again. I, I put the. I'm just at a s summarizing this. You can look at the whole thing. I think it's really interesting. There's some good graphs and data in there. Um, but I, I think the the there my takeaway from this is that the notion of a boom bust player is over is overstated and i have found that the you know, the the points that a player scores matters more than the ordering of them so um, you know, obviously you're going to go from one to, you know, a player that scores 200 points this season is going to go from one to 200 in a direct way. I mean, more the grouping of them or the ordering of them, um, by week. I think it matters how they're grouped in 13 or 16 week increments matters less than the, the overall number by a significant margin. I think, it, in fact, I don't even think that the number matters at all. Um, and the grouping of it. At least I haven't found that in the data. Um, and this article points out the uh, that that it's not really something that's predictive year over year either. So when you get the narrative, oh, that player X is boom bust, uh, you should be really skeptical about what that actually means and whether or not that's even true, um, particularly depending on the position. Uh, and just know that 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 those volatility measures aren't really correlated year over year, and knowing that there's there's value in that narrative, uh, buying that that narrative in a player. Um, one thing I always say is it's more important the consistency year over year. For instance, Jarvis Landry, Mike Evans, you know, you can these guys perform in a relatively narrow band year over year. Is there fluctuation in season? Damn right. But the reason for that is because they're wide receivers, and uh, wide receivers. You know, if you can get half of uh, half of uh, a wide receiver's weeks inside the top twenty-four, that wide receiver is going to have a pretty good season. So um, they're going to, you know, they're probably going to be a top twelve, bordering on the top twelve type finish. So, um, and that's missing, you know, essentially missing half of the weeks. So. Yeah, so I, I think this is a it's a really good piece. I'll link it in the show notes. Go ahead and check it out, um, and and give uh, Antonio a follow, um, and maybe we can see if we can you know, we'll 
highlight some more of his work at some point and maybe see if we can get him on the podcast to talk about this. I always love talking consistency and whether or not it matters. So this is a good piece on that topic. So um, that'll wrap up this episode of the Analytics of Dynasty uh, podcast. I think this is episode 10. Uh, so we've gotten through uh, 10. Uh, someone told me the other day I sound less nervous. I was I was joking when I started the podcast. I didn't know. It's tough to talk for this, you know, it's tough to talk for five minutes straight, let alone a full podcast just by yourself with no one to have a conversation with. Uh, and I'm just, you know, looking at a wall across from me. Uh, and I, I struggled with the breathing aspect of it. <laughs> I catch my breath in the process. So I think I've gotten that under control a little bit um, and don't sound so nervous. I promise you I wasn't really nervous. I just couldn't really figure out how to breathe right in such a long talking period. So uh, we've gotten those things ironed out. So onward and upward to the next 10 podcasts. So uh, until next time, continue embracing the variants and we'll talk again soon.